It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and today, a story from Jack London called Shorty Dreams. And now, part one. Funny you don't gamble, none, Shorty said to Smoke one night in the Elkhorn. Ain't it in your blood? It is, Smoke answered, but the statistics are in my head. I like an even break for my money. All about them, in the huge barroom, arose the click and rattle and rumble of a dozen games, at which fur-clad, moccasined men tried their luck. Smoke waved his hand to include them all. "'Look at them,' he said. "'It's cold mathematics that they will lose more than they win tonight, that the big proportion is losing right now.' "'You're sure strong on figures,' Shorty murmured admiringly. "'And in the main, you're right. But they such a thing as facts.' And one fact is streaks of luck. There's times when every geezer playing wins, as I know, for I've sat in such games and saw more than one bank busted. The only way to win at gambling is wait for a hunch that you've got a lucky streak coming, and then to play it to the roof. Yeah, it sounds simple, Smoke criticized. So simple, I can't see how men can lose. Trouble is, Shorty admitted, that most men gets fooled on their hunches. On occasion, I sure get fooled on mine. The thing is to try, and then find out. Smoke shook his head. That's a statistic, too, Shorty. Most men prove wrong on their hunches. But don't you ever get one of them streaky feelings that's all you got to do is put your money down and pick a winner? Smoke laughed. I'm too scared of the percentage against me. But I'll tell you what, Shorty. I'll throw a dollar on the high card right now and see if it'll buy us a drink. Smoke was edging his way into the faro table when Shorty caught his arm. Hold on, I'm a-getting one of those hunches now. You put that dollar on roulette. They went over to a roulette table near the bar. Wait till I give the word, Shorty counseled. What number? Smoke asked. Pick it yourself, but wait till I say let her go. You don't mean to say I've got an even chance on that table, Smoke argued. As good as the next guy's. But not as good as the bank's. Wait and see, Shorty urged. Now, let her go. The gamekeeper had just sent the little ivory ball whirling around the smooth rim above the revolving, many-slotted wheel. Smoke at the lower end of the table, reached over a player, and blindly tossed the dollar. It slid along the smooth green cloth that stopped fairly in the center of the thirty-four. The ball came to rest, and the gamekeeper announced, Thirty-four wins! He swept the table, and alongside of Smoke's dollar, stacked thirty-five dollars. 
Smoke drew the money in, and Shorty slapped him on the shoulder. Now that was the real goods of a hunch, Smoke. How'd I know it? There's no telling. I just knew you'd win. Why, if that dollar of urine fell on any other number, it'd won just the same. When the hunch is right, you just can't help winning. Suppose it had come double knot, Smoke queried, as they made their way to the bar. That your dollar had been on double knot, was Shorty's answer. There's no getting away from it. A hunch is a hunch. Here's how. Come on back to the table. I got a hunch, after picking you for a winner, that I can pick some few numbers myself. Are you playing a system? Smoke asked at the end of ten minutes, when his partner had dropped a hundred dollars. Shorty shook his head indignantly, as he spread his chips out in the vicinities of three, eleven, and seventeen, and tossed a spare jib on the green. Hell is sheer cluttered with geezers that played systems, he exposited, as the keeper raked the table. From idly watching, Smoke became fascinated, following closely every detail of the game from the whirling of the ball to the making and paying of the bets. He made no plays, however, merely contenting himself with looking on. Yet so interested was he that Shorty, announcing that he had had enough, with difficulty drew Smoke away from the table. The gamekeeper returned Shorty the gold sack he had deposited as a credential for playing, and with it went a slip of paper on which was scribbled, Out, $350. Shorty carried the sack and paper across the room and handed them to the weigher, who sat behind a large pair of gold scales. Out of Shorty's sack he weighed $350, which he poured into the coffer of the house. That hunch of yours was another one of those statistics, Smoke jeered. I had to play it, didn't I, in order to find out, Shorty retorted. I reckon I was crowding some just on account of trying to convince you that there's such a thing as hunches. Never mind, Shorty, Smoke laughed. I got a hunch right now. Shorty's eyes sparkled as he cried eagerly. What is it? Kick in and play it pronto. No, it's not that kind, Shorty. Now what I've got is a hunch that someday I'll work out a system that'll beat the spots off that table. A system? Shorty groaned, then surveyed his partner with a vast pity. Smoke, listen to your side kicker and leave systems alone. Systems is sure losers. They ain't no hunches in systems. That's why I like them, Smoke answered. A system is statistical. When you get the right system, you can't lose. And that's the difference between it and a hunch. You never know when the right hunch is going wrong. "'But I know a lot of systems that went wrong, "'and I never seen a system win.' "'Shorty paused and sighed. "'Look here, Smoke. "'If you're getting cracked on systems, "'this ain't no place for you. "'It's about time we hit the trail again.' "'We'll return with part two, "'right after this sponsor message.' "'Sick of being upsold at gyms?' "'My guy, you're currently a base member? "'For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. "'For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. "'And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum.'" At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And now, part two of Shorty Dreams by Jack London. During the several following weeks, the two partners played at cross-purposes. Smoke was bent on spending his time watching the roulette game in the Elkhorn, 
while Shorty was equally bent on traveling trail. At last Smoke put his foot down when a stampede was proposed for two hundred miles down the Yukon. "'Look here, Shorty,' he said. "'I'm not going. That trip will take ten days, and before that time I hope to have my system in proper working order. I could almost win with it now. What are you dragging me around the country this way for, anyway?' "'Smoke, I got to take care of you,' was Shorty's reply. "'You're getting nutty. I'd drag you stampeding to Jericho or the North Pole if I could keep you away from that table.' It's all right, Shorty. But just remember, I've reached full man growth, meat-eating size. The only dragon you'll do will be dragging home the dust I'm going to win with that system of mine, and you'll most likely have to do it with a dog team. Shorty's response was a groan. And I don't want you bucking any games on your own, Smoke went on. We're going to divide the winnings, and I'll need all your money to get started. That system's young yet. And it's liable to trip me for a few falls before I get it lined up. Part 3 At last, after long hours and days spent at watching the table, the night came when Smoke proclaimed he was ready, and Shorty, glum and pessimistic, with all the seeming of one attending a funeral, accompanied his partner to the Elkhorn. Smoke bought a stack of chips and stationed himself at the gamekeeper's end of the table. Again and again the ball was whirled, and the other players won or lost, but Smoke did not venture a chip. Shorty waxed impatient. "'Buck in, buck in,' he urged. "'Let's get this funeral over. What's the matter? Got cold feet?' Smoke shook his head and waited. A dozen plays went by, and then, suddenly, he placed ten one-dollar chips on twenty-six. The number won, and the keeper paid Smoke three hundred and fifty dollars. A dozen plays went by, twenty plays, then thirty, when Smoke placed ten dollars on thirty-two. Again he received three hundred and fifty dollars. "'It's a hunch,' Shorty whispered, vociferously in his ear. "'Write it!' Half an hour went by, though, during which Smoke was inactive. Then he placed ten dollars on thirty-four, and won again. "'A hunch!' Shorty whispered. Nothing of the sort, Smoke whispered back. It's the system. Isn't she a dandy? You can't tell me, Shorty contended. Lunches come in mighty funny ways. You might think it's a system, but it ain't. Systems is impossible. They can't happen. It's a sure hunch you're playing. Smoke now altered his play. He bet more frequently, with single chips, scattered here and there, and he lost more often than he won. Quit it, Shorty advised. Cash in. You've rung the bullseye three times, and you're ahead a thousand. You can't keep it up. At this moment, the ball started whirling, and Smoke dropped ten chips on twenty-six. The ball fell into the slot of twenty-six, and the keeper again paid him three hundred and fifty dollars. If you're plumb crazy and got the immortal cinch, bet him the limit, Shorty said. Put down twenty-five next time. A quarter of an hour passed, during which Smoke won and lost on small scattering bets. Then, with the abruptness that characterized his big betting, he placed $25 on the double knot, and the keeper paid him $875. "'Wake me up, Smoke! I'm dreaming!' Shorty moaned. Smoke smiled, consulted his notebook, and became absorbed in calculation. He continually drew the notebook from his pocket, and from time to time jotted down figures. 
A crowd had packed densely around the table, while the players themselves were attempting to cover the same numbers he covered. It was then that a change came over his play. Ten times in succession he placed ten dollars on eighteen and lost. At this stage he was deserted by the hardiest. He changed his number and won another three hundred and fifty dollars. Immediately the players were back with him, deserting again after a series of losing bets. Quit it, Smoke, quit it, Shorty advised. The longest string of hunches is only so long, and your string's finished. No more bullseyes for you. I'm going to ring her once again before I cash in, Smoke answered. For a few minutes, with varying luck, he played scattering chips over the table and then dropped $25 on the double knot. I'll take my slip now, he said to the dealer, as he won. Oh, you don't need to show it to me, Shorty said, as they walked to the weigher. I've been keeping track. You're something like 3,600 to the good. How near am I? 3630, Smoke replied. And now you've got to pack the dust home. That was the agreement. Part 4 Don't crowd your luck, Shorty pleaded with Smoke. The next night, in the cabin, as he evidenced Smoke's preparations to return to the Elkhorn. You played a mighty long string of hunches, but you played it out. If you go back, you'll sure drop all your winnings. But I tell you, it isn't hunches, Shorty. It's statistics. It's a system. It can't lose. System be damned. There ain't no such thing as a system. I made 17 straight passes at a crap table once. Was it a system? Nope. It was fool luck. Only I had cold feet and I didn't dash let it ride. If it had rid, instead of me drawing down after the third pass, I'd have won over 30,000 on the original two-bit piece. Just the same, Shorty. This is a real system. You gotta show it to me. I did show you. Come on with me now and I'll show you again. When they entered the Elkhorn, all eyes centered on smoke, and those about the table made way for him as he took up his old place at the keeper's end. His play was quite unlike that of the previous night. In the course of an hour and a half, he'd made only four bets, but each bet was for $25, and each bet won. He cashed in $3,500, and Shorty carried the dust home to the cabin. Now is the time to jump the game, Shorty advised as he sat on the edge of his bunk and took off his moccasins. You are $7,000 ahead. A man's a fool that a crowd his luck harder. Shorty, a man would be a blithering lunatic if he didn't keep on back in a winning system like mine. Smoke, you're a sure bright boy. You're college learnt. You know more in a minute than I could know in 40,000 years. But just the same... You're dead wrong when you call your luck a system. I've been around some, and I've seen a few, and I tell you, straight or confidential, and all assuring, a system to beat a banking game ain't possible. But I've been showing you this one. It's a pipe. No, you're not, Smoke. It's a pipe dream. I'm asleep. By and by, I'll wake up and build a fire and start breakfast. Well, my unbelieving friend... There's the dust. Hefted. So saying, Smoke tossed the bulging gold sack upon his partner's knees. It weighed thirty-five pounds, and Shorty was fully aware of the crush of its impact on his flesh. It's real. Smoke hammered his point home. Huh. I saw some mighty real dreams in my time, 
In a dream, all things is possible. In real life, a system ain't possible. Now, I ain't never been to college, but I'm plumb justified in sizing up this gambling orgy of iron as a sure enough dream. Hamilton's Law of Persimony. Smoke laughed. I ain't never heard of that geezer, but his dope sure right. I'm dreaming, Smoke, and you're just snooping around in my dream and tormenting me with a system. If you love me, if you sure do love me, you'll just yell, Hey, Shorty, wake up, and I'll wake up and start the breakfast. Part 5 The third night of play, as Smoke laid his first bet, the gamekeeper shoved $15 back to him. Ten's all you can play, he said. The limits come down. You're getting picky, aren't you? Shorty sneered. No one has to play at this table that don't want to, the keeper retorted. I'm willing to say straight out in a meeting that we'd sooner your partner didn't play at our table. Scared of his system, eh? Shorty challenged as the keeper paid over $350. I ain't saying I believe in system, because I don't. There never was a system that had beat roulette or any percentage game. But just the same, I've seen some queer strings of luck, and I ain't going to let this bank go bust if I can help it. Cold feet, said Shorty. Gambling is just as much business, my friend, as any other business. We ain't philanthropists here. Night after night, Smoke continued to win. His method of play varied. Expert after expert, in the jam about the table, scribbled down his bets and numbers in vain attempts to work out his system. They complained of their inability to get a clue to start with, and swore that it was pure luck, though the most colossal streak of it they'd ever seen. It was Smoke's varied play that obfuscated them. Sometimes, consulting his notebook or engaging in long calculations, an hour would elapse without his staking a chip. At other times, he would win three limit bets and clean up a thousand dollars at odd in five or ten minutes. At still other times, his tactics would be to scatter single chips prodigally and amazingly over the table. This would continue for about ten to thirty minutes of play, when abruptly, as the ball whirled through the last few of its circles, he would play the limit on column, color, and number, and win all three. Once, to complete confusion in the minds of those that strove to divine his secret, he lost forty straight butts, each at the limit. But each night, played no matter how diversely, Shorty carried home thirty-five hundred dollars for him. It ain't no system, Shorty expounded at one of their bed-going discussions. I follow you, and follow you, but they ain't no figuring it out. You never play twice the same. All you do is pick winners when you want to, and when you don't want to, you just on purpose don't. Well, maybe you're nearer right than you think, Shorty. I just got to pick losers sometimes. That's part of the system. System, hell. I've talked with every gambler in town, and the last one has agreed there ain't no such thing as a system. Yet I'm showing them one every night. Look here, Smoke. Shorty paused over the candle, in the act of blowing it out. I'm real irritated. Maybe you'll think this is a candle. It ain't. And this ain't me, neither. I'm out on the trail somewheres, in my blankets, lying on my back with my mouth open, and I'm dreaming all this. That ain't you talking, any more than this candle's a candle. Well, it's funny how I happen to be dreaming right along with you, then. Smoke persisted. No, it ain't. You're part of my dream, that's all. I heard many a man talking my dreams. I want to tell you one thing, Smoke. I'm getting mangy and mad. If this here dream keeps up much more, I'm going to bite my veins and howl.
Part 6 On the sixth night of play at the Elkhorn, the limit was reduced to five dollars. It's all right, Smoke assured the gamekeeper. I want thirty-five hundred tonight, as usual, and you only compel me to play longer. I just have to pick twice as many winners, that's all. Why don't you buck somebody else's table? The keeper demanded wrathfully. Because I like this one. Smoke glanced over at the roaring stove only a few feet away. Besides, there's no drafts in here, and it's warm and comfortable. On the ninth night, when Shorty had carried the dust home, he had a fit. I quit, Smoke. I quit, he began. I know when I got enough. I ain't dreaming. I'm wide awake. A system can't be, but you got one just the same. There's nothing in the rule of three. The almanac's clean out. The world's gone smash. There's nothing regular or uniform no more. The multiplication table's gone loco. Two is eight, nine is eleven, and two times six is eight hundred and forty-six and a half. Anything is everything, and nothing's at all, and twice all is cold cream, milkshakes, and calico horses. You got a system. Figures bet the figurin'. What ain't is, and what isn't has to be. The sun rises in the west, the moon's a paystreak, the stars is canned corned beef, scurvy's the blessing of God, him that dies kicks again, rocks float, water's gas. I ain't me, you're somebody else. And maybe we're twins if we ain't hash brown potatoes fried in vertigris. Wake me up, somebody. Oh, wake me up. Part 7 The next morning a visitor came to the cabin. Smoke knew him, Harvey Moran, the owner of all the games in the Tivoli. There was a note of appeal in his deep, gruff voice as he plunged into his business. It's like this, Smoke, he began. You got us all guessing. I'm representing nine other game owners and myself from all the saloons in town. We don't understand. We know that no system ever worked against roulette. All the mathematic sharps in the colleges have told us gamblers the same thing. They say that roulette itself is the system, the one and only system, and therefore that no system can beat it, for that would mean arithmetic has gone bug house. Shorty nodded his head violently. If a system can't beat a system, then there's no such thing as system. The gambler went on. In such a case, anything could be possible. A thing could be in two different places at once. Or two things could be in the same place that's only large enough for one at the same time. Well, you've seen me play, Smoke answered defiantly. And if you think it's only a string of luck on my part, what are you worried about? Well, that's the trouble. We can't help worrying. It's a system you've got, and all the time we know it can't be. I've watched you five nights now, and all I can make out is that you favor certain numbers and keep on winning. Now the ten of us game owners have got together, and we want to make a friendly proposition. We'll put a roulette table in a back room of the Elkhorn, pool the bank against you, and have you buck us. It'll be all quiet and private, just you and Shorty and us. What do you say? I think it's the other way around, Smoke answered. It's up to you to come and see me. I'll be playing in the barroom of the Elkhorn tonight. You can watch me there just as well. Part 8 That night, when Smoke took up his customary place at the table, the keeper shut down the game. The game's closed. Boss's orders. But the assembled game owners were not to be balked. In a few minutes, they arranged a pool, each putting in a thousand, and took over the table. Come on and buck us, Harvey Moran challenged, as the keeper set the ball on its first whirl around. 
Give me the 25 limit, Smoke suggested. Sure, go to it. Smoke immediately placed 25 chips on the double knot and won. Moran wiped the sweat from his forehead. Go on, he said. We've got 10,000 in this bank. At the end of an hour and a half, the 10,000 was Smoke's. The bank's bust, the keeper announced. Had enough, Smoke asked. The game owners looked at one another. They were awed. They, the fatted protégés of the laws of chance, were undone. They were up against one who had more intimate access to those laws, or who had invoked higher and undreamed laws. We quit, Moran said. Ain't that right, Burke? Big Burke, who owned the games in the M&G saloon, nodded. The impossible has happened, he said. This smoke here has got a system, all right. If we let him go on, we'll all bust. All I can see, if we're going to keep our tables running, is to cut down the limit to a dollar, or to ten cents, or a cent. He won't win much in a night with those stakes. All looked at Smoke. Smoke shrugged his shoulders. In that case, gentlemen, I'll have to hire a gang of men to play at all your tables. I could pay them ten dollars for a four-hour shift and make money. Then we'll shut down our tables, Big Burke replied, unless... He hesitated and ran his eye over his fellows to see that they were with him. Unless you're willing to talk business. What would you sell the system for? Thirty thousand dollars, Smoke answered. That's a tax of three thousand apiece. They debated and nodded. And you'll tell us your system? Sure will. And you'll promise not to play Brunette and Dawson ever again? No, sir, Smoke said positively. I'll promise not to play this system again. My God, Moran exploded. You haven't got other systems, have you? Hold on, Shorty cried. I want to talk to my partner. Come on over here, Smoke. On the side. Smoke followed him into a quiet corner of the room while hundreds of curious eyes centered on him and Shorty. Look here, Smoke, Shorty whispered hoarsely. Maybe it ain't a dream, in which case you're selling out almighty cheap. You sure got the world by the slack of its pants. There's millions in this. Shake it. Shake it hard. But if it's a dream, Smoke queried softly. Then for the sake of the dream and the love of Mike, stick them gamblers up good and plenty. What's the good of dreaming if you can't dream to the real right, dead sure, eternal finish? Well, fortunately, this isn't a dream, Shorty. Then if you sell out for thirty thousand, I'll never forgive you. When I sell out for thirty thousand, you'll fall on my neck and wake up to find out that you haven't been dreaming at all. This is no dream, Shorty. In about two minutes you'll see you've been wide awake all the time. Let me tell you, that's when I sell out, because I've got to sell out. Back at the table, Smoke informed the game owners that his offer still held. They proffered him to their paper to the extent of $3,000 each. Hold out for the dust, Shorty cautioned. I was about to intimate that I'd take the money weighed out, Smoke said. The owner of the Elkhorn cast their paper and Shorty took possession of the gold dust. Now I don't want to wake up, he chortled as he hefted the various sacks. Toed it up, it's a $70,000 dream. I'd be too blamed expensive to open my eyes, roll out of the blankets, and start breakfast. Well, what's your system? Big Burke demanded. We paid for it, and we want it. Smoke led the way to the table. Now, gentlemen, bear with me a moment. This isn't an ordinary system. It can scarcely be called legitimate, but its one great virtue is that it works. 
"'I've got my suspicions, but I'm not saying anything. "'You watch. "'Mr. Keeper, be ready with the ball. "'Well, I'm going to pick twenty-six. "'Consider I bet on it. "'Be ready, Mr. Keeper. "'Now.' "'The ball whirled around. "'You observe,' Smoke went on, "'that nine was directly opposite twenty-six. "'The ball finished at twenty-six. "'Big Burke swore deep in his chest, "'and all waited.' For double not to win, eleven must be opposite. Try it yourself and see. But the system? Moran demanded impatiently. We know you can pick winning numbers, and we know what those numbers are, but how do you do it? By observed sequences. By accident I chanced twice to notice the ball whirled when nine was opposite. Both times twenty-six won. After that I saw it happen again. Then I looked for other sequences, and I found them. Double knot, opposite, fetches 32. And 11 fetches double knot. It doesn't always happen. But it usually happens. You notice I say, usually. As I said before, I have my suspicions. But I'm not saying anything. Big Burke, with a sudden dawn of comprehension, reached over, stopped the wheel, and examined it carefully. The heads of the nine other game owners bent over and joined in the examination. Big Burke straightened up and cast a glance at the nearby stove. Hell, he said, it wasn't any system at all. The table stood close to the fire, and the blamed wheels warped, and we'd been worked to a frazzle. No wonder he liked this table. He couldn't have bucked for sour apples at another table. Harvey Moran gave a great sigh of relief and wiped his forehead. Well, anyway, he said, it's cheap at the price just to find out that it wasn't a system. His face began to work, and then he broke into laughter and slapped Smoke on the shoulder. Smoke, you had us going for a while, and we patting ourselves on the back because you were letting our tables alone. See, I've got some real fizz all open if you'll all come over to the Tivoli with me. Later, back in the cabin, Shorty silently overhauled and hefted the various bulging gold sacks. He finally piled them on the table, sat down on the edge of his bunk, and began taking off his moccasins. Seventy thousand, he calculated. It weighs three hundred and fifty pounds. And all out of a warped wheel and a quick eye. Smoke, you eat them raw. You eat them alive. You work under water. You're giving me the gym jams. But just the same, I still know it's a dream. It's only in dreams that the good things comes true. I'm almighty unanxious to wake up. In fact, I hope I never do. Cheer up. "'Smoke answered. "'You won't. "'There are a lot of philosophy sharps "'that think men are sleepwalkers. "'You're in good company.' "'Shorty got up, went to the table, "'selected the heaviest sack, "'and cuddled it in his arms "'as if it were a baby. "'I may be sleepwalking,' he said, "'but as you say, "'I'm sure in mighty good company.' "'Thanks for joining us "'for Shorty Dreams by Jack London.' We do appreciate reviews very much, and here are a few recent reviews for 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. The first one, Stand Out, five stars. In a world in which so-called journalists say it's okay to lie in stories to defeat those that you don't agree with. In a world of revisionist history, stands John. He provides us with the classics and with a clear factual presentation of history. His knowledge and passion of World War II are unmatched. All of his podcasts are excellent. Keep up the good work, John. That one from Trace, Apple Podcast, 
U.S. And this one, all stories, five stars. So glad I found these stories. Many thanks. That one from Tile Lady, Apple Podcast, U.S. Welcome to my headspace, five stars. I'm a marathoner and endurance athlete. During long runs, I welcome the 1001 podcast as an edifying, uplifting diversion. There are some authors I never read nor plan to do so. This brilliant podcast helps me expose myself to those authors while taking my mind off the miles. Now from Patrick Titus, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, Jack in the Woods, five stars. Love the show. Good selection of different stories. Nice blend of old names I know well and others with whom I'd not known of before. Great show. Now from Davy's Dog, Apple Podcast, Canada. And this one, great storytelling. Five stars. In this podcast, you'll find a wide variety of exciting stories of different length to suit your available time by authors you know and love, all of which are read in a pleasant voice and a manner that spans the bridges of one's imagination. Sure to make this a favorite to all who might invest their chance upon a single episode. Thanks, John, for your craft and delivery in the art of storytelling. You are a master. Now from Scotty, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, Uncle John, five stars. This podcast has been an unexpected gem. The short story format is perfect for the daily commute, and the selection is excellent. John's narration is like being 10 years old again and having your favorite uncle read you a story. Sometimes words are mispronounced. (laughs) So, It's great listening to a guy who loves books and wants to share. Keep up the good work. Down from Paul Nalish, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, awesome podcast, five stars. Great variety of subjects and always well done. In addition, Patreon members get extra episodes and early access to podcasts for only a small monthly contribution. Best series of podcasts available and best value as a Patreon member. John is a great host. Down from New Mexico, Cal, Apple Podcast, U.S. Thanks to all of you who take the time to send these reviews. It helps new listeners find us and we appreciate them very much. Be sure to tune in next Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for a brand new episode from 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. Until that time, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.